All right. Uh, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, doing good. Uh, I want to start off with just uh, really highlighting our next 21168 prayer week. So I want to take a minute and do that. If you have done this, then you kind of know what's up with this. If you haven't, let me take a second to explain. So a few times a year, three times a year usually, we uh, take a week where our church prays for every hour of that entire week together. We try to really just really highlight how important prayer is and set aside some time so that we can really focus on prayer together. There's something about uh, the synergy that comes when we all are focused on the same things together, trying to pray together, trying to see God uh, do some things in our lives, do some things in our church lives, our community lives together. So that is coming up. And this one is actually leading up uh, to Easter. And so there's a little stuff here about Easter. Uh, there's a little message here from Clay that he's kind of left. It's got some prayer topics here. They even have little prayer guide books out there that you can get this time. Uh, we even have the Lord's Prayer here. We're going through the series kind of broken down. Just a lot of tools for you because, look, I get it. Some of you, the idea of praying for an hour seems like, man, I've, you're like, man, Q, I've, the most I've ever prayed is like five minutes. Look, I get it. It can seem a little daunting to set aside a whole hour for prayer. But I think what you'll find is once you kind of get into it, that um, you'll experience some really cool just time with God. You know, prayer is, uh, I think, sometimes we think prayer has to be this formal thing where we check off all the boxes and where we make sure we've uh, done everything correctly and we make sure that we've kind of hit all the markers we want. But prayer is really this conversation, this context. It creates this, this relationship. It, it, it encourages a relationship between you and God. And it creates kind of this culture uh, that you walk into. And so it's, it's this whole deal. So an hour of that where you're just focusing on God, you're slowing down the rest of the world around you, and you're just giving God that hour to focus and to pray can be a really powerful thing. And so what we love for you to do is after this gathering, right outside this wall here in this hallway, uh, there's all these slots that you can put down. We want to fill up the whole week that you can put down uh, when you want to pray what hour you want to pray. And so we'd ask you to choose one. They're going to give you one of these sheets like they gave me this morning. See, I, I chose Tuesday, 328 from 5 to 6 a.m. That's my, my hour there. So you can choose your hour. They'll give you a sheet. They'll mark it. And you can uh, join us in this whole week-long time of prayer together. So we'd love for you to do that with us, all right? The next thing I, I just want to say is uh, I just want to reiterate what Clay was saying about a life point serve next week. One of the greatest, greatest things is when you find your place to be able to serve within the context of the church that you're a part of. And so if you haven't found that yet, we would encourage you to uh, come to LifePoint Serve, see all the different places and ways you can serve within LifePoint. Maybe find somewhere that you can, you can really use your spiritual gifts and connect there. If you're like a young adult, college-age student, let me just, just stop a second and say, man, our student ministry keeps growing and I remember, uh, I, I did student ministry a long time before we planned LifePoint. I remember some of the most impactful people in our students' lives were college students who were trying to live for the Lord. Uh, they just, I mean, I, I mean, let's be real. At this point, I'm an old man, so students look at me and go, oh, sure, the old man has to say that, right? But young adults who invested in high school and middle school students make a significant impact in those students' lives. And so if you're a young adult out there, you're like, man, I don't really have a place to fit in. 
I'm telling you, student ministry on Wednesday night would be a great place for you to get connected and to get involved. So we just want to invite you into that, encourage you into that, use the giftings God's given you, um, and, and help some of these uh, students grow up. And maybe they don't have to relive some of the mistakes that we made in our own young adult life, and they can uh, do some, just, just be there to encourage them as they go on, all right? So we're in the middle of this series, Pray, uh, pray This Way. I, I've really enjoyed this series. We've kind of just boiled down on the, the model prayer, sometimes called the Lord's Prayer. We've really looked at it. It's been great. Matt has done a superb job. Um, I've made a point. I, when we first started having this conversation, uh, they were like, hey, do you guys pray the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis? And I was like, I don't pray the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. And, and primarily, you know why? Because I think the Lord's Prayer kind of got watered down to me throughout my life. Um, I played football my whole life. And we always ended every practice that we had when I was in football at Albertville with the Lord's Prayer. Do they still do that? Does anybody know? Anybody football players know? I don't know if they do. But we ended it every time with the Lord's Prayer. And this is how we said it. All right? I'm going to say how we said it. Like, all right. They'd be, all right we'd we'd uh, say, all right, ready, pray. That's how we started the prayer, right? It's a great way to start a prayer to God. Like, everybody ready, pray. And then somebody would start it and go, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. This is heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those trespasses. Give us leave not to take and deliver us from evil. kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. Break it down. Aggies on three. One, two, three. Aggies. <laughs> like, what kind of prayer was that? You know? Like, it, it became this mantra that we said, but that we never really embodied. I could go back, you know, you could go back, because I think there was something powerful about that moment being there. I could go back, and I had some guts about me, and some wisdom and life experience that maybe I have now. I think I would have said at some point, hey guys, can we slow this down, and can we think about what we're saying? Because this is a really important piece of information that we're just saying out of our mouths, without maybe connecting it to our hearts. And I think I would have went back and just asked, maybe, maybe we could slow this down and just, just really break it down. And that's what we've been doing for the last few weeks, is really just slowing down this moment where Jesus is answering a question of disciples and really breaking it down. In fact, the moment comes in Luke chapter 11, we see when Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. There's this moment. This is a really cool moment where they're seeing Jesus pray. It wasn't like they just copied what he said, but they're seeing Jesus out there praying, and, and they're realizing something special is taking place. In Je- I mean, Jesus is more than they ever could imagine. He's accomplishing all these miracles. He's doing all these incredible things, and he's always going back to prayer. And, and, and something clicks in their mind that, like, Man, this power and this life he's living is being connected to, to this moments he spends in prayer. And so they're intrigued. They're interested. They want to know what it's all about. So they say, hey, can you teach us to pray? And they think, I think in their mind, they're like, maybe if he teaches us to pray, we can kind of live more like him. Which is not a bad thought. In fact, I think they're on the right track. Because something about the prayer time was empowering everything Jesus was doing. And they realized that. There's this thing going on. And so Jesus is 
really excited to step into this moment. And he continues in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 2. He says, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Luke's version is a little different than Matt's, but I want to stay here because I want to really look at this next part of it. But it says, he says, this is what you should say. And we've talked about, and, and Matt's broke these down, and Father and how our relationship with God, each one of these is more than just a word to be said for the word's sake. It's like there's a, there's a, there's a depth to each one of these. And I don't think even that Jesus would necessarily care that they said these words exactly, but I think it's the context and, and really the culture this creates behind it that Jesus is really, really focusing on. When we can live, and Matt talked about it, when we can live in that relational uh, type posture with our Heavenly Father, it changes everything we do. When we realize, man, I don't know, like, I don't know, some of us have been coming here a long time, right? And some of you listen to worship music all the time. I'm going to be honest. I listen, sometimes I listen to worship music, sometimes I just listen to random music, but here I'm always singing worship songs. I hear them a lot, and I heard that second song uh, that we sang a, a lot. But for this morning, sometimes just lines will hit me, and they'll just, man, move something inside of me. And the, the line this morning was talking about that, um, you know, he has a house for us. He has a house that he's prepared for us, like a place for us. Like, isn't that incredible? To think about that the God of the universe has a place for me? Like, he could do anything, and yet he has a place for you. He has intentionally thought through and created and made a place for you. See, this is what I did when you're praying and you can pray this idea of Father, our Heavenly Father. When you can have that mindset and be and create that type of culture around you that you're living in this relationship with God, your Father, realizing He has a place for you, that changes everything. That changes my moments when I feel really insecure that I realize, you know what, I'm, I'm insecure, but at least my Heavenly Father, the God of all the universe, is my Father and He has a place for me. And this is what this prayer does. It really changes the culture of what's taking place. And man, he hits the thing, man. This whole, like, our insecurities with Father and hallowed be your name. This, like, our pride with his holiness. And then uh, your kingdom come, right? And this is, like, the whole idea of what our purpose is, right? And then give us our, day, our daily bread. This is, this is the whole, like, security piece that he does. Like, he just... Every part of this prayer deals with how we should be living our life and what positions and what the culture around us as believers should look like. Culture of those who are the sons and daughters of God. And then he gets to this place that we want to look at this morning. It says, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, I love how Luke puts this. You might remember this in the prayer, as I said really quickly, was... Um, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, uh, our, our debtors, or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. It's also written that way. But in Luke, it says, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And this is written in such a culture-forming way. It starts out with forgive us our sins. This idea that even as we're here and we're like trying to follow God, that there is moments we're going to fail. Uh, has anybody failed yet this morning? Just me, you, thanks. All right, two of us. The rest of you, hey, great, awesome, way to live perfect. Um, you know, 
But like we fail a lot, whether it be through letting the anger get the best of us or whether it be through, uh, you know, just thoughts that we have that we shouldn't have or our pride takes over in some situations. Um, we mess up. We miss the mark. There is these moments where we fall short of the standard and Jesus is the standard. So in those moments we fall short of the standard, then we have sin. And what it's saying is, in this prayer, this, we should have this attitude, forgive us our sins. And I think we like that, because at the end of the day, we really do want to be forgiven of our sins. We know we messed up, and we want to be forgiven. And it's kind of insinuating here that if we ask his forgiveness, God's going to forgive us. That is a beautiful thing. And it's the crux of the Christian faith. That God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him uh, should not die but have eternal life through the forgiveness of their sin. Like this is, you know, that Jesus came to forgive our sins. He took on our sins on the cross and we were forgiven. We were forgiven. So we like that. But then this next part, as far as a prayer that Jesus says, these are the kind of words we should say. It's a bit tricky for us. It says, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, we love to be forgiven, but to forgive, that is a much more difficult thing. To forgive is something that, like we say we want to do. It's kind of like when I say, like, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to losing weight. Like, I can say that, and I might even really, really want to do that. But there's some things that take place in my life I had to do before that happens. And that's the same with forgiveness. See, like, because things happen in our life where people hurt us. This whole idea of indebted to us. People does something that we feel like has wronged us. And there is some justice that needs to take place so that there can be an even playing ground again. This idea that, like, okay, you've hurt me. You've said something to me. You've hurt my family. Maybe they've done something to you in your business. Maybe it's even a loved one who, who didn't meet the expectations you thought that they, they should have for you. They've done something. Let's just think about it. Let's just take a second. And it's going to be a good exercise for all of us right here. Think right now about the two or three people or situations in your life that you really are struggling to forgive. Just think about it. See, we all have those, I think. And I think they do something to us. Again, I think this prayer puts us in a place, of a posture is what this prayer does. I think they do something to us. So I'm going to kind of use some props. I think, you know, sometimes, I don't know if like, maybe your spouse, I don't know if, I don't know if probably not. Look, me and Audrey, I love Audrey. We've been married 18 years. She don't know either, so we're great. All right, so good. Uh, somewhere, getting close to 20, right? Getting close to 20 years. And look, this probably doesn't happen in your marriage. You probably got a great marriage. But sometimes we'll say things that may be a little hurtful to each other. You know, sometimes we get in anger, gets the better of us or whatever, or we get in disagreement. And I don't know about you, but I just expect her to come to me and tell me she's sorry <laughs> for those things she said. And when she doesn't, sometimes I just do this. I just put my headphones on. Turn my music on, just jam out, you know? I go to my own space. I'll even, I don't know what you do, so I'll even get like where 
Like, I'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to kind of give a silent treatment until she realizes she needs to say she's sorry. <laughs> and then maybe she'll come around. She'll be like, are you okay? I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's good. Yeah. Uh, do you want to eat some supper? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'll eat some supper. I don't know. I might eat supper. I don't know. Supper. You know? You know the games we play, right? But we just hang on to it, waiting that moment for that person to do the thing, to even the scale so that it's just and so that we feel righted and so that now we can get everything back to normal. And maybe it's someone in your family that treated you a certain way that you're like, there's no way I should have been treated that way. This is not fair. Maybe it's somebody in your extended family or some, one of your friends that you really trusted and they said something about you behind your back that got to somebody else. And you're like, why would they do that to me? Why would they do that? And so... What you do is you just, you know what? You just, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm just going to be get protected. I'm going to put this coat on. It's going to be great. And they're not going to hurt me anymore. I'm not going to go around them. I'm not going to hang out with them. I'm just going to stay away from them. And then maybe one day they'll just feel how bad it feels to not have me around them. That uh, they'll be like, you know, come back and ask forgiveness and realize how wrong they are. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Look, I'm, I'm protected. I'm good. Everything's good. You know? Put something else on. And then something happens at work or your student, maybe in some sport or activity you're part of, and then maybe it's a coach or maybe it's a boss or someone that hurts your feelings and they say something to you that you feel like is just totally out of there, outside there, and you're like, you know what? I'm just, no, I'm not forgiving them. I'm going to carry all the knowledge I got of my sport, all everything I've got of my business, and they'll need me at some point. They'll need me, so I'm just going to put that on. Carry this unforgiveness with me, and everything is fine. It's all fine. Everything's good. I'm good. And then something like, you mess up. And in some form or, reason, form or fashion, you really let yourself down in a major way. Maybe you have a lapse of judgment or... Maybe you're enticed into some kind of sin that you should never got enticed to, or maybe you you left the person you love most, or maybe you relapsed, or I don't know. There's any number of things we've done to ourselves, right? And we take all that pain that exists and we just shove it in a bag. And we zip it up. And we're like, you know what? It's fine, I'll just carry it with me. It's my mistakes. I caused this mess. I'll just carry it. And this is, this is us. This is how we walk through life and we live life. And this is the culture we're carrying. And, and look, you can survive like this. I'm not telling you you can't. But it becomes uncomfortable. It's cumbersome. If I try to come, like, move down one of these aisles with all this stuff, make a big disruption. It becomes a little uncomfortable for me to be around people now. So that's, since it's uncomfortable and I've got all this stuff and these people have hurt me and I've let myself down and I just find myself pulling further and further away from any kind of interaction. I find myself isolating and being in my own head and just standing and sitting and with my stuff and nice coat and headphones. And life becomes less than it was. 
I think when Jesus tells us to pray this way, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. He was trying to let us see a culture of what life was supposed to look like. We have sought justice and rightness so much in our own life that we have become encumbered by it instead of realizing the freedom that forgiveness brings us. When I can realize that is it really such a big thing to go say I'm sorry to my wife first if it means our relationship can be brought back into a good perspective and that we can enjoy life and we can cook dinner together and take our kids to the park just to say hey I'm sorry in that moment I'm saying sorry also just be forgiving in your heart realize that your spouse isn't perfect just forgive them when that boss or that coach or that person above you, when you realize that they're human beings too, and at the end of the day, that they're going to mess up just like you're going to mess up. Instead of trying to hurt them and make them feel like, hey, you, you owe me and I'm going to withhold all this, just to, just to in your heart say, you know what? They're human. I'm going to love them. I'm going to work for them. I'm going to do something positive. I'm going to make an impact in this company. I'm going to allow my, my, my positive work to be a force in this place, you can just get rid. You just forgive them in your heart. Just forgive them and take it off. When you realize that family member probably was going through a moment of just their own personal struggle, when you can realize that hurt people hurt people, and that when most people are trying to hurt you deeply, it's probably because there's a lot of pain going on in their own life. When you can realize that and take that off and be like, you know what? I'm not going to let that one moment, that one miscalculation sever this relationship for the next 20 years. And you forgive them. And then maybe the hardest. When you can realize, yeah, I messed up. But I don't have to keep messing up can take today, and I can do the right thing today. I can make a right decision, and I can forgive myself today and not be that same person tomorrow. And I know some of those mistakes eat us up inside. But if we can just get very real and forgive ourselves for the mistakes we've made, realizing that this is the culture that Jesus wanted us to have. In this prayer, when he tells us, he says, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who's in debt to us. Can we forgive ourselves and lay down that mistake at the foot of the cross and say, I know I messed up. But God, would you forgive me? And I want to forgive me. No even in the odds. It's crazy, right? No waiting to even the odds, just letting it down. And that seems so difficult, but the moment you do that, you get to, you get to rock out life in a Hawaiian shirt. That's why when the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When the Spirit of the Lord is there, there is this freedom that comes in this place of forgiveness. This is the context and the culture of this prayer, to be free. 
to live a life where you're not trying to seek out justice, but you're seeking forgiveness so that you, because you know in that forgiveness is the freedom to live life in the way it's supposed to be. And now guess what? I can come down all these aisles, walk through them, be around you, be connected to you. It's not awkward. You know, even though you may have hurt me, I'm not carrying the stuff anymore. I'm still trying to connect in a real way. We're having this conversation. We're hanging out. Life is still good because I'm not carrying all this unforgiveness on me. I believe this is what Jesus wanted to happen. And, and I think this morning, oh, it went slow. I don't know. What, there it goes. <laughs> I think this morning, I think I want you to know is that forgiveness creates a culture of connection. Forgiveness creates a culture of connection. Unforgiveness just makes it so that you can't live life connected to people. But forgiveness creates it. You want to live a life free that you feel like you can connect with people and, and enjoy life and enjoy your connections, then it's got to be rooted with some forgiveness. And I don't know which one of those you're carrying this morning that we brought that I kind of showed, or, or heck, you may be carrying all of them. I don't know. But wherever it is, if you'll find the ability to just forgive, and there's no like secret like formula for that, like, hey, if you will like. Say you forgive them 72 times, you'll really believe it. No, it's just somewhere in your heart you've got, it's almost like I just showed you, it's a letting go. It's a letting go. It's not letting the anger you have towards someone poison the whole water system that exists inside of you. It's realizing that that anger that you have is destroying you more than it's destroying anybody else. It's, it's capturing you. It's not capturing anybody else. And it's having the, the ability to forgive. Not for it to be right. Not for it to be just. Not for the scales to be balanced. But just to forgive. And look, I know you're thinking what I thought when I was preparing this sermon. It's a lot easier said than done. And you're absolutely right. But do you remember how he starts this? This prayer and this line? So we're talking about forgiving those who are indebted to us, right? But he starts it with saying, forgive us our sins. There's first this connection and plea to the person of Jesus. To God, through Jesus, forgiving our sins. Sins. And I think in that connection, we can find the strength, the purpose, and the direction in why we should forgive. And I think we see this in what Jesus does for us, but I think that Jesus makes a statement that in the moment seems really directed to certain specific people, but in context of who Jesus is and what's taking place at the time that it's said, is a huge statement, a blanket statement, if you would cover us all. Check this out. In Luke 23, 24, Jesus is on the cross being crucified. He is dying for the sins of the world. He is dying for my sins and he's dying for your sins. This is the context. He is dying for our sins. In fact, he could be very mad at us. He, our sins are the wrong things we had done against God. It says, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what 
they do. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And in that moment, yeah, he's looking at these, these people who have sentenced him to death. And I'm sure if they heard it said, they'd think, wow, is he actually asking God to forgive us that we've sentenced him to death? But in the grand scheme of things, this statement covers us because we mess up and we do wrong and we've done that against God. Like we, when we sin, when we do the wrong thing, when we don't live up that standard, it's against God. And in this moment, that, that, those wrong things we've done in this moment is costing Jesus his life through a very horrible death on the crucifixion. And Jesus' response that's recorded, when he has a moment to say anything, when he can fight for enough breath, can, can, can push through the pain long enough to say something, he could say anything. He could say about his great power. He could say, like, you know, anything he wanted to. He could have quoted scripture. He could have said some things from the Old Testament. In that moment, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I can't help but think, because... The Bible tells us and through some of the, that John was probably still close enough to the cross to hear the things that was being said there. And can you imagine John thinking back to the prayer, the model prayer? When Jesus said, pray this way. Forgive us our sins. As we forgive those, they're indebted to us. And he thinks about that as he sees Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And John realizes this forgiveness that is open through what Christ is accomplishing on the cross in that moment. See, the reason that we should feel pushed and empowered to be able to offer forgiveness is because of this moment right here. Because even though we've messed up and we will leave here and mess up, and me and you messed up this morning, all right? Even though... Even though we do that, we're going to mess up. We're going to do the wrong thing. We're going to make mistakes. Because of this moment, God forgives us. It doesn't matter how bad we've messed up. It doesn't matter how bad you think your big mistake was or how much, how much pain you think it caused. God offers forgiveness through Jesus on the cross. And Jesus punctuates that through this statement. Just yelling out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It, it doesn't matter what you've done, if you come to Jesus, Jesus forgives you. And in that freedom of relationship with Christ, this is the ultimate connectivity. Through Christ's forgiveness, we experience connectivity to God. And if we can really understand how powerful that is and how amazing that is, then it should push us to offer forgiveness to others. And when it pushes us to offer forgiveness to others and to ourselves, then we begin to create like God did for us, we begin to create a culture around us of connectivity. And in the same way God is bringing people to himself through the forgiveness of their sins through Jesus, we can be connected and live this full life through the forgiveness of those around us. They can see Jesus' love through our forgiveness. And that's why forgiveness is so powerful. That's why you got to grab hold of it. See, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to be done, but... My fear is, is that many of us are living like 72% good lives <laughs> or 67% good lives or 83% good life, you know, whatever number it may be. 
And the big thing that's keeping us from really living the, the free life that we're supposed to live, the full life that Jesus talks about in, in, in John, is the thing that's keeping us from that is our inability to forgive. We are walking around with some heavy things on us that we're holding on to because we are waiting for justice to present itself instead of just forgiving. Justice may never come on this earth for whatever situation you find yourself in. But forgiveness can happen today. It is up to you. You can offer forgiveness. It is a gift that God gave. It's really incredible. It's a gift that God gave to us, and it's a gift that we get to offer to other people. And the crazy thing is, is this gift may not change them, but it will change you. Ain't that the craziest thing? To be able to give a gift that may not change somebody else, but it will change your life for the better. It may change them, too. And this morning, I don't know if you're carrying some things, and you need to, like, let them go. We're going to sing here in a second, and in this song we're going to sing, it's just talking about, it's a new song, there's this album that some of our worship teams found lately, and we just love it. And there's this new song off of it, and it just talks about focusing on Jesus. See, at the end of the day, the only way you're going to have the strength to forgive some people in these certain situations is that you've got to focus on Jesus. You've got to focus on Jesus. You've got to, yes, that person hurt you, but remember how much you did and how much Jesus forgave you. And this morning, if you're carrying some things, and you need to come pray during this song, we have people on our prayer team. We have our staff. We will pray with you because it is so important that you leave here not carrying that same stuff that you brought in here. Deal with that. Offer forgiveness. It may be when you leave here, you need to make a phone call or a text message to someone. And it may be as simple as this. It's like, hey, sorry for all that stuff we've been going through. I just want you to know that it's all good. You may have to ask somebody, hey, just forgive me. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is you might need to do, but I pray that you'd see that in this prayer, Jesus is creating culture of forgiveness that allows us to have freedom. And I want that for us all. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. And God, I, I pray that whatever, whatever people are holding on to, Whatever unforgiveness that might be just eating away at folks in here, people watching online or in the coffee house, God, whatever unforgiveness might be just really clinging on to them, God, that you would give freedom there. God, that you would uh, allow them to experience the freedom that can only come through you. God, this morning, if someone needs to come and pray, God, I pray that you would... Uh, as you allow them, allow them to have the courage. They need to come and get someone to pray for them. God, they need to really just let go of the pain of what's going on that someone has hurt them at their work or at their school or a friend. And God, I pray specifically for the people who are having a hard time this morning forgiving themselves. God, I pray that you would allow them to let go of the pain. God, allow them to forgive themselves. Allow them to finally set down whatever it is they've been carrying for so long, that thing that just has really ravaged them, the thing that really they don't feel like they're ever going to make it right. God, that you would just allow them to forgive themselves. God, allow them to find that peace that comes through you.
God, as we uh, erasing this song, God, would you allow us to just focus on you, to see you, your forgiveness on the cross, your forgiveness on the cross is what allows us to do any of this. It's what allows us to, to accomplish anything, to forgive anyone's because we've experienced it through you. And God, if someone here this morning hasn't experienced that forgiveness, they don't know you because they're carrying all their guilt. The beautiful news of the gospel is that you offer forgiveness through your sacrifice. You said it. Father, forgive them. Through your pain and through your resurrection, there's forgiveness this morning. All we have to do is believe in you. Cry out to you, God. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.